Hey guys, it's Steve on my phone in Hawaii, where it happens to be turkey season. And it is right now turkey week here at Meat Eater, which means tons of great turkey hunting content, a lot of great offers on turkey gear at TheMeatEater.com, and even a calling contest where I am getting my ass thoroughly kicked. Go find it all at TheMeatEater.com. Hey, I'm KC. And I'm Tyler. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. Guys, welcome to Daddy Daycare. I am KC. And I'm Teej the Deed. <laughs> and we are running dad duty today. We've got a one-year-old and a, what, nine going on 39 over here? Um, <laughs> uh, hanging out with us today. And uh, it's going to be a beautiful day. We're probably going to try to get outside and have some fun with the kiddos. Um, and just do some playing, right? But... We do need to talk to y'all about a few things. First of all, shed season is coming up quick. There are big deer with antlers hitting the ground like across the U.S. right mm-hmm. now. Our buddy Anthony actually found a giant set. Yep. Which I don't know how much we're supposed to talk about that. So I don't either. But we, we might we, just we, say that and that yeah. be it. it I would a, like to post. It was that. a deer he was hunting there in Illinois, I think, mm-hmm. somewhere in that area. Mm-hmm. I'm, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't Illinois. Might have been uh, Ohio, right? Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it was Ohio. Wasn't <laughs> okay, it? good. No, actually, <laughs> let me think about this. It was Iowa. Alabama. You get Iowa and Illinois mixed up every time. That's right. Yeah, that's yep. it. Did I say Alabama? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's somewhere in that Midwest, which is where big deer grow. Uh, yeah, he found a he found a pretty cool set, man. Maybe one day he'll let me share those on uh, social media. That'd be cool. Um, but I'd yeah, like to rattle with him. He actually, I think, had an encounter with that deer. Um, yeah, after, after shit. shit. Yeah, nuts, right? It's crazy. Woo. So um, we're going to get ahead of this thing this year, and we're going to talk about shed hunting with uh, a guy I know who knows a little bit something about it. His name's Reese Johnson. If you mm-hmm. uh, or on Instagram, there's a good chance you follow Reese. Um, he's got a lot of followers. <laughs> he does. And he's just, uh, uh, he's not really, you know, affiliated with brands or whatever. He just does his thing there in uh, Tennessee, Kentucky area and um, finds a lot of sheds and runs a lot of shell cameras. So he yep. knows a lot about deer movement and really a lot about, like, timing of deer dropping sheds and where they're going to drop them and stuff. And he gets into some of this stuff. It's yep. pretty pretty good This episode is going to be awesome. Yeah. So definitely uh, – Get yourself some space for focus and listen and dig into this Unlike podcast. Unlike what for we're sure. doing today. <laughs> <laughs> or any day, really. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, this week, we're, or this coming week, so, you know, as you're listening to this, we're within a week of doing some pig hunting. And we've been talking about this for a long time. We have opened up the pig hunting uh, party to the public, and we have. What looks beep, like beep. Uh, dozens and dozens of people coming. <laughs> so we have uh, we have already shut that down. So if you're missing out and you're just now hearing it or whatever, it's uh, um, we apologize that you didn't get in on it. But you are not in on it. Next year, guys. Next, Next year. year. Um, so we're all going to do some hunting. Uh, we're going to hang out on Friday, um, do some raffle stuff, got some really great prizes. And then uh, we're going to hunt... Um, you know, that mm-hmm. next day on the 13th, and it's going to be awesome. We're really excited about it. We should have some good room to spread out and everybody, um, you know, keep from shooting each other and have a good time. And yeah, so hopefully find some we piggies. Find some pigs. That's We went out uh, 
was it a week ago or so? Mm-hmm. And we struggled. Yeah. Of course, we we uh, <laughs> we didn't go to the pl- we didn't want to go to the place that we're going for the pig hunt uh-huh. because we didn't want to burn that out. Uh-huh. And then we didn't go to uh, any other spots that we've ever hunted, just you know, in case we needed some backup stuff. Yeah, we all, know where so. there's some pigs. Yeah. So and so we were like, well, <laughs> and first day of that little John, I carried a bow. Yeah. Um, which. <clears throat> actually was probably the closest we came to killing a pig except a shot over one <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh but I, sh- I killed one. Oh, that's right he's all 12 pounds that's right know, dude me i killed a swamp rabbit the next day and they were probably about the equivalent. same size yes yep. mm-hmm. they might be brothers they could be if you were at a disney story for sure <laughs> they would definitely be brothers <laughs> we need to post that picture uh, but it's pretty good so we kind of did a uh, glorified trophy shot of that mm-hmm. big and it was cool but yeah. um we're gonna on that friday night we're gonna do a little bit of talking a little bit of q a stuff uh, so if you're listening and you're going to be there at the event, submit some questions if you want to, that way we can mm-hmm. get some of that stuff out ahead. And then of course we'll take some questions from the audience, talk a lot about DIY hunting, a lot about adventure, a lot about, I mean, maybe even some cooking, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of one of the big things with pigs these days is people are like, man, how do you cook this thing? And it just so happens our good friend, Jesse Griffiths. He has dedicated a book. That's right. He has a new book coming out called The Hog Book. Yeah. And I believe we're going to get a signed copy, at yeah. least a copy. Well, so I don't know if it's actually printed yet. Yeah. But we will we will have it sent to you. We're giving winner. away a voucher. Giving it away, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we'll have it sent to that person. It'll be signed yeah. by Jesse Griffiths, mm-hmm. who is one of the coolest people out there. One of, for sure. Yeah. Like, so. straight up on my list. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do that Q&A stuff, and we'll probably talk quite a bit about uh, our style of hunting which involves a lot of mapping mm-hmm. and uh, take some questions about, you know, finding hunting places. Not and napping, and though. Not napping. We, I wish. Some people find that out when they hang out with us. It's not, there's not <laughs> a whole lot of napping. Not that a goes napping, on. yeah. And when there does, you miss things. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, but anyways, uh, speaking of that, um, if you want to submit some stuff for the Map Scout Challenge that we did last year. We're going to do it again this year. Maybe a little bit different format. You know, we're trying to perfect this thing and make it as cool as possible. Uh, but we are doing the Map Scout Challenge again this year. We're going to head out to a couple different states uh, across the U.S. We're going to do some stuff here in Texas and really try to uh, improve even on what we did last year about helping you find white-tailed deer in the off-season by looking at your maps and then turning that into deer getting shot in mm-hmm. the fall, which yeah. uh, you did, we did. Quite yeah, a bit this year. It, we did, man. It was, yeah. uh, you know, it, it really did. Uh, and like even, you know, there were some some instances where we had some encounters that didn't come, we didn't come out with a dead deer mm-hmm. that was, you know, it was based off of the opportunities we had last summer to go mm-hmm. figure out deer, you know, yeah. like it's just the experience, man, that we got with the Map Scout Challenge was awesome last year mm-hmm. and, and it was a big help for us this year. And so yeah. I would say... That if you're talking about, you know, we're talking about off-season scouting in this episode. You know, we talked about that mm-hmm. it was sheds, but it, it's a lot of off-season stuff and how this translates into hunting. And so if you're interested in killing deer next year, then you need to listen to this podcast and you need to try to translate all of this off-season uh, information into dead deer next year. So with that, let's get Reese Johnson on the phone. Perfect. All right, so now on the phone we got Reese Johnson. He is a shed hunting expert in my eyes, at least, which I don't know what that takes to qualify. <laughs> so, but I think you're awesome, man. So that's what matters. KC does too. Thanks for coming on the show, man. What's been going on? Oh well, I appreciate it, guys. Um, you know, it's time to uh, wrap everything up, and I'm waiting on those antlers to fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, deer season went out here on the 19th, which is later than a lot of, a lot of uh, areas. 
And so I'm, I've spent the last two weeks, 10 days, duck hunting a little bit, taking down blinds, starting to put, put the camo away. And it's been a sad, it's been a sad couple of weeks. This is a deer hunting <laughs> and, podcast, uh, <laughs> but here's the deal. I'm not even a waterfowler. And the other day you posted a picture on your story and I said, oh my goodness. Man, I was so jealous. Mm. Yeah. Tell us that about that. A, There's people that so don't know a, out there. Well, I got an invite to a place. So we'd actually planned on deer hunting and whacking and stacking some does, you know, to fill the freezer. You know, naturally we're going to wait till the last weekend. And we did shoot uh, several. We got enough to feel comfortable. We ended up with nine on the year, just does, which is what feeds my family, my mom and dad and my sister and brother-in-law so that's what we'd end up putting away we were gonna take some friends to our farm and go shoot some more well we got a call from a friend who's got a heck of a duck hunting farm and he's like hey y'all want to go well when he calls you pretty much drop everything and you say yes (laughs) and so we went and then on that second morning we had uh, five birds come in at uh, right at hours and we ended up knocking out all five was in the timber and one of those was a mallard pintail hybrid drake Man. And uh, he was pretty. He's yeah. pretty. And the man that the man that owned the farm who invited us, you know, he was kind of like, you know, we didn't really know who shot it, and that's okay. But he's like, um, he's like, I'm gonna put this thing on the wall. And I said, and so I was like, you know, yeah, that's good, great, and the other. And then by the time the hunt was over, he's like, do you want to mount this thing? And I'm like, well. I'm going to if you're not. I'm not going to let you throw that thing in a ditch. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so that one is in my freezer right now. Mm, that's cool. so cool, man. So, yeah, and it was, uh, uh, it was in good shape too, huh? Oh, it was pretty. It was pretty. So waiting to do something with that, which that'll go with. The only other duck mount I have is uh, I've got two uh, black duck mallard hybrids. So mm. I'm not a, I'm not a duck hunter by trade but i've have been pretty lucky yeah uh, when i do get to go yeah it seems like it man that's that's pretty cool man i saw a um i had a guy send me a picture of a mallard uh wood duck cross this year oh yeah oh my gosh dude like that that's gotta be the prettiest duck in existence dude, I've seen that. it's got like a it had like a wood duck head but it was all green you know like no stripes or yeah. nothing on oh man it was that I, I don't know. I think birds are about as cool as it comes, man. So I and I grew up duck hunting quite a bit um, here in East Texas, you know, which is not the greatest place in the world, but we're not far from Louisiana and Stuttgart and everywhere else that you can get into a lot of birds. So, you know, we uh, naturally kind of think that stuff is pretty cool and did a bunch of it. But uh, anyway, you mentioned that you're waiting on antlers to fall. Um, you know, a good way I've heard to get into shape for the next season is to chase yeah. deer around till they fall off. Have you done any of that before? Oh, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you can. Uh, my wife likes shed season. You can guarantee, other than the fact I'm continuously gone, but you can guarantee I, I'm going to lose between ten and fifteen pounds in Mar- in the months of March and February. Yep, um, it's almost guaranteed that with all the hiking. It's going to happen. So if you're looking for an excuse to exercise, you know, it's like uh, treasure hunting is what I tell folks. <laughs> yeah. The you know, there, there, there's something you get for just exercising. You don't just exercise for fun. I'm not trying to be the best at exercising, but I have a reward for it. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, is that there's like, uh, you know, culvers and uh, bojangles and all that on the way home from that. You know? So that's. Well, it, yeah. Yeah. True. So so what uh, what got you into shed hunting, man? Well, you know, I mean, we're diehard deer hunters, you know, just like everybody, just like everybody else, I think is probably going to listen to this. And, you know, I grew up 
you know, dad, I vividly remember as a four-year-old, my dad tying me to his chest and climbing me up sticks to put me in a lock on. And put, I think he had like two or three safety harnesses on me, I swear. And that was on the coast of Georgia. We've lived all over. Uh, he manages the National Wildlife Refuge. So I've done some pretty cool conservation work between wood storks, alligators, uh, migratory songbirds, sea turtles, uh, you name it, we've, we've done it. That's cool. Now, we finally settled in Kentucky when I was in middle school, and we lived here for, it doesn't feel like it, but the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of like the gateway to the Midwest and my eyes, and you got a little bit of everything, and uh, I don't, I'd be hard-pressed to leave it. Man, that's a, that's a cool thing, dude. Like, a lot of guys uh, that are as hardcore about deer hunting don't have uh, quite as extensive a background in the wildlife side of things, man. Is that, uh, yep. is that something that you enjoyed, like, as much as your dad enjoyed doing that kind of stuff? Um, yes. And, and I, you know, I've kind of got to see a lot of this stuff firsthand, you know, I mean, he went to Mississippi state, um, and did wildlife biology and has a master's from there at the deer lab, just like all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I kind of had a, I've said this before, you know, walking encyclopedia around me my whole life for deer. Yeah. And so that's a tool that I've had that a lot of folks have not been able to utilize. And so taking that to my advantage and I've always, you know, just had that same interest and same drive he's had. And, you know, the, the unfortunate part for the wildlife side of things and conservation side of things is you either work for nonprofit or you work for the government. Yeah. And it, in all honesty, there's not a lot of money to be made there. And so I kind of got to witness that and, and I, I wanted to do, be outside and kind of do those things. So I actually got a degree in ag business and then, you know, did some ag things right out of college and then ended up um, in real estate sales. And now I specialize in farmland among other things, but, and, and hunting property. So that's kind of my, that's my day-to-day, which gives me the flexibility to come and go and do what I want, which is the most important thing to me and I think I love the most. So mm-hmm. it all kind of ties hand-in-hand, hand, my knowledge and everything I've learned from that. Um, and then it comes full circle with, you know, deer has just been our thing sure. since we moved here and experienced Kentucky. Uh, we're on the western end. And then, you know, just once we got out of Arkansas and got out of Georgia and came up here and settled in, it was just like, wow, there's some – some big deer here compared yeah. to what I was used to seeing on the coast. Yeah. Guarantee you, that's why we travel so much during the fall. It's oh, like, yeah. Got to get out of East Texas a little bit so you can, you know, experience some different stuff, man. And when it comes to deer hunting, uh, you know, you know how it is being from Arkansas. There's not, uh, oh, yeah. there's only certain parts in some of these states down here that have good bucks. And outside of that, you know, you got to work really hard to find something that people would call big across the nation. So, but, uh, man, that's cool. What's, what school did you go to? So I bounced around a bunch. I played college baseball. Okay. And I ended up, I played two years at a JUCO in Poplar Bluff. I uh, went to, a, I played a semester at Henderson in, in Arkadelphia in southwest yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. And then and then bounced up back and finished out uh, right out of Columbia. At, That's cool. uh, C- Central Methodist. <laughs> well, I went up and uh, my roommate from JUCO, I ended up going up there with him. And that's where I finished out, met my wife. Um, which North Missouri is pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun to be had up there as well. For sure. Until it uh, uh, comes from, a from blizzard high. on October 31st. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's bad. So, uh, my, my dad's dad, um, was a twin, identical twin. And, uh, he and his, his twin brother. So my dad's uncle both played at Henderson state. Okay. So yeah. they were, they played football, well, but, the, uh, I got you. Yeah. Well, a while back. So they were football, from football, Trump baseball for sure. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a that's kind of a nationwide deal. Well, maybe not. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, pretty 
people pretty crazy about the NFL for sure. Yeah, and the college football. Well, when I knew, or I knew that when I got done with all that, it was going to be hard to beat Kentucky. And um, you know, I've been able to travel more than the average person um, growing up, and seen quite a bit of between, and even with baseball, you know, we traveled quite a bit. So between those things, I've seen a lot of the country that a lot of folks haven't seen, and I knew that. You know, it was going to be hard to beat this area. Sure. And so sure. I was content content to come back home um, and settle down. And I convinced my wife to come. She's from Springfield, Missouri, so I convinced her to come over here. And and um, I think I've been out of school five years now, just about. And, and I've got two kids now, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> where did you uh, where did you pick up your love for shed hunting? Like, when did that click? <laughs> well, it's kind of funny. I still remember the very first one I ever found. You know, my dad would walk with me and he would plant them or he would find one and then he'd throw it out and try to get me to find it. And I'd walk right past it. <laughs> and I think I, and I think a lot of people struggle with this. And, and it's one of those things that still to me in my head, I remember there's a time when it clicks. And when it clicks and you recognize what you're looking for and you find that first one, it only gets easier. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks will, will say something to me or, you know, they've never found one or they struggle to find some. And, and it's not easy, but I'm telling you, you know, once you find that first one and your eyes become accustomed to looking for that curve, and that main beam, or those tines shining in the sun, you know, there are, you know, and knowing kind of where to look, you know, it, it becomes normal. And then, you know, I've always had a fascination with antlers. And so it's just a continuation of, of deer season and, and late season scouting, which I cannot stress, you know, the importance of that, which I think you guys know, I would take late season scouting over anything else. Yeah. Summer and, and just about almost into rut, I'd, I'd, you know, consider them just about equal. Mm-hmm. You know, you can learn a ton from that. Mm-hmm. For sure. So with that, man, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we'll kind of work in a chronological order here. We'll go talk about your 2020 season a little bit and then we'll work into <laughs> some shed stuff for this year how about but uh tell us kind of how the how the season panned out for you and what you're looking forward to in the beginning so 2020 was a challenge um in 2018 i shot three bucks in two states and i shot two bucks in 2019 in two states so five bucks in three years between you know two of those were in the mid 60s so i mean i had a really good run and had you know was on had some momentum coming into 2020 and, you know, as I got to running cameras and looking and this, that, and the other, I, I set my sights on a, on a very particular deer, and I made up my mind early on. It was it was pretty much him or bust. There was one deer that distracted me, and I would kind of bounce back and forth, and I hunted him a little bit. Um, I actually shot and missed that deer, um, whether I straight up missed him. I did hit a limb on that shot, and whether that actually, you know, impacted the flight of the air, I don't know. Uh, to what degree but i did miss that deer my number two and I pretty much and then he actually got killed the week after that happened so that mm-hmm. was kind of a heartbreak but besides that i pretty much devoted my entire season to one deer or bust and i stuck to it until january 10th is when i gave up so that left me eight days nine days a season and at that point it was the first time all year that i um hunted anywhere else after anything else mm-hmm. i mean i had six i don't i don't, I don't really know i'd hate, i'd be almost embarrassed to say that i hunted probably 60 times for that deer but i did mm-hmm. so 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 it was uh it was tough i had multiple encounters with him just you know wind and other factors and it just never happened for me but 
but uh so we'll see if he made it and and how we'll go into next year i don't know but um that was kind of my 2020 i did draw an iowa tag took five years which made my uh, 2020 even tougher yeah um i went up there and and passed on a 135 140 eight point the first morning i was there mm. i remember watching um, which, that on instagram and i was like oh i hope looking back you know i could say it's easy for me to say i should have shot that deer right and i yeah. didn't believe that was the only mature deer i should have shot i actually encountered in iowa but if i had shot that deer on opening morning in iowa and pulled him out of there and been you know tickled that i thought i was the greatest place in the world yeah. And in some ways it is, but you know, I hunted hundred percent public in Iowa and that was just something I wanted to do. And, uh, so I actually spent only four days there in November, two days in October. And then I went back for a week in January and late season hunted, um, in which I did actually shoot a deer on public in January. Uh, my first afternoon back, I don't really, I didn't get a great look at him. He had five on one side. I don't think he was, you know, too awfully big. I uh, trailed him for well over half a mile. I think I hit him low, honestly. Um, and I thought, I mean, I got good penetration based off the arrow, I thought. But he went a half a mile. He seemed to be making it okay. And that was in the snow. So mm-hmm. uh, without the snow, I wasn't able to make it that far. But so, you know, I assume he's alive and all as well. Hopefully he is. Uh, but, yeah, it was a tough year, you know, coming off of a couple good years. Um, it was a tough year in 2020 between my Iowa and my Kentucky you know, I, I let some deer walk in Kentucky the same way that, you know, a lot of people questioned and even myself, you know, I look back like, man, I sh- could have shot that deer, but I would have never been able to give full effort. And I would always went down wondering if I had shot this deer, what, what would I have seen? What could I have seen? Mm-hmm. And so, 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 I mean, there's a lot of ways you can look at it. I still consider it a success. Um, you know, there's nothing to hang on the wall. Yeah. Um, sure. And, and it's, uh, in some ways I do wish I had quit a little earlier on my, my number one maybe went and found something else but uh you know it is what it is and i'm gonna go into it next year and keep at it yep. yeah yeah for sure and i think it's success too man you had an awesome year just spending that much time in the woods you know tyler and i talk about this all the time but there's nothing that makes you a better hunter than hunting you know and like if you get um, out I have there no complaints yeah exactly i mean i'm i mean i'm i'm blessed to be able to do what I, you know, to, to spend that much time in the woods, which I mean, there's nothing else I'd rather do. Yeah. There's no, you know, to spend that much time in the woods. I mean, I'm very fortunate to be able to have that opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Did you, you talked about, you know, having a pretty good hit list. It seems like, at least that's what some people call it. I don't know. I, I don't usually get the opportunity to make too much of one of those. We did in Kansas a little bit this year, but, um, did you do that? Uh, any off of shed antlers from the 2020 spring? Oh yeah. So the deer that, uh, the deer that I missed, um, I actually have his antler from last year, one, one side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's, that's how I learned about the deer and, and went all in on him, you know, trying to, mm-hmm. trying to learn him and then picked up, picked up the other deer mid, you know, mid summer and then targeted him as well. Of course I had three or four, you know, there's a number of deer out there and, and, uh, the one stood out enough that it really, it was really my, you know, him or nothing and i just made it that and that was what was in my head for the most part that number two was close enough that i spent some time on him but you know for the for the most part everything else just kind of fell by the wayside and i was able to help a couple buddies shoot deer in kentucky um you know i kept i ran cameras consistently across all sorts of both private and public land 
and just kept tabs on everything I could, um, which, you know, I like truck cameras just as much as anything. And there's nothing, there's nothing like checking the camera. And, uh, <laughs> it's pretty fun. <laughs> and and uh, so I, that's, that's a real bad habit as well. But, but uh, I mean, there's not, I mean, I just love being out there checking those cameras you know, find you know just all parts of it. It just fascinates me, deer, and all deer in general. Fa- general fascinate me, and so that's just you know. While I love to do other things, I mean, if turkey season's in, I'm gonna be turkey hunting. If the duck season's in, and I'm not deer hunting, I might go duck. I mean, but but that's the thing. Just deer, deer have always been number one, and that's just that's just what it'll be. So 2020 was tough on me. I learned a ton, of course. Um, definitely have a plan going into next year, and and um you know i drew iowa last year and then i did an antelope nebraska trip so i'm I'm sitting here thinking for 2021 what what will my plans be and i've got a kansas point so i know i'm pulling that and i'm not sure what my september hunt's going to be i'm thinking colorado mule deer but we'll see there's uh no deer in kansas so don't worry about that (laughs) but uh Guys, if you know anything about the element, we're big on our acronyms, right? And we have added an acronym to the group. H-T-H. 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 Not the muscle improver. However, he's pretty no. muscular. Uh, <laughs> Hunter the Hunter Hunter's has been Hunter. hunting all over the hunting world on our YouTube channel here lately. Yep. And uh, he just had a new video drop where he saw seven to nine bucks yeah i think there were so many he got confused on like which one yeah. was which he told me nine afterwards yeah. that's why i put nine i in guarantee there, so. you that one that uh he zoomed in pretty good that walked like got past him that's oh, a big box my <laughs> goodness dude you talk about frame <laughs> i know yeah. man so they i mean there was he's had some cool encounters this year unfortunately we've only been able to put together a few videos from from his season but mm-hmm. the dude's going to be very involved going forward and you've heard him on the podcast recently so all you podcast listeners out there know hunter the hunter and uh you need to go check out his videos if you haven't lately we, we are also going to release a video very soon where i shoot a public land kansas dude so Toad Daddy. it's coming out. It's coming out. Uh, so go check out the YouTube stuff uh, when you get done listening to this podcast. We'll put a link in the description below. From where you took the shot at your number two, how close was that to the shed that you found? Oh, uh, probably half a mile. Mm-hmm. How do you? Uh, in all honesty, how do you get to that? How do you get to that point? Do you are you were you able to deduct from finding where you found the shed the time of year that he would have been shedding? Like that, he was going to end up there, or did it take a lot of or some trail camera info to help it, you out? It definitely took some trail camera. If I couldn't have done it without those, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Um, from where he summered to where he spent fall was about a mile, maybe maybe a give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the, what and, was the reason? Do you, do you have an idea? Not really, because you know it took me a while to when he left that summer range and went to that fall range. It took me a minute to get him back figure mm-hmm. out what he was doing you know that deer was new to me this was the first year that i had hunted that deer and so it was new to me to figure that out um and i could even say that for my number one you know uh, a mile is nothing you know they those deer really you know bounce back and forth and and um i mean I, there, there are some others you know i've even got a couple of private land farms that are uh three miles apart and i have the same deer Mm-hmm. On one, j- just one individual deer. I'm not going to say it happens a lot, but I did have one individual deer across the camera. And I swear, I studied those pictures. I was so hypocritical trying to think there's no way that deer went that far. <laughs> but I, but I mean, it just has to be him. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, and that's a, and you know, and that's a deer that I don't get in the summertime. And then all of a sudden he shows up in November. 
And so I think that, you know, that's normal, you know, one to one to three miles is, is pretty normal. And, and I will say this, you know, I find a lot of sheds in areas that deer summer in, um, you know, there, some of those deer will, you know, they have fall range and winter range and I, and I, or summer range and winter range. And I thoroughly, thoroughly believe in that for the most part, but a lot of those deer will go back to that summer range early. Um, and they'll shed their antlers in their summer range rather than where they spent in November, because that's where they're going to go back and grow. And, and, mm-hmm. and some, not not all not all deer do that, but and that's why deer are so cool to me is the personality. They're all different, you know, whether some are timid or aggressive, and some of them travel, and some of them hold tight to an area. You know, they're so that's just part of it. You know, they're all different. Mm-hmm. And you, learning those tendencies is awesome. Do you think that they're going back to those summer ranges early because that's where? that first springtime food is, you know, first green up stuff is, or is it more about being secluded? I think, I I mean, something to do with the green up, but I mean, food in summer, you know, those go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. They're growing those antlers. They're somewhere they're not thinking about. And so as soon as that testosterone drops, in my opinion, is when is one reason and when they take off Mm -hmm. and they go back. And for, you know, it varies for some deer. You know, some of them might actually lose their antlers where they spend their November. And then some of them, you know, they may take off and go back to their winter range. And so, or anywhere in the middle. And that deer, for example, kind of lost his in the middle. So it's, you know, you, know, you could see, you could say either way. Yeah. So, so when you, uh, when you're tracking a deer that you found sheds off of and you find a summer range and then all of a sudden he disappears about, I'm guessing maybe when he sheds velvet or something like that, um, when you go to find that fall range, what's the plan? You, I mean, you're webbing out oh cameras or whatever, or like, how are you I'm, thinking about this? Yep, I'm webbing them out, and mm-hmm. and I actually had, you know, my number one. I spent all that time on this year. I was so skeptical. I was so worried he was going to take off and go that I scouted as far as I could, given the lines in all four directions, and tried to anticipate where he would go. I tried to pick the best habitat and pick and find any kind of sign or, or any kind of areas that I went ahead. And I just put cameras out already. Mm-hmm. You know, I just put as many as I could out to anticipate his next move. And um, even with all that, I still lost a few weeks in there until I was able to learn what he was doing. I picked him back up, went back in, and, and got back on him in November. But it took me, it took me some time, mm-hmm. even with that anticipation. But, yeah, you can go ahead and figure – that it's going to very rarely, you know, is he going to stay, you know, year round right there in that little, little bubble. Mm-hmm. He's going, he's going to go. So what did he move to? Did he move to thick cover or did he get closer to does or what's the, what was your hypothesis? I, it was the, I think it was the cover. Yeah. And I lost it. It was, it was, it was thicker. It was gnarlier. Um, what time of year? And it was away from people. Well, um, of the two deer I'm sitting here talking about, one of them moved, fairly early, like, you know, right around time they would come off. And then matter of fact, I had, uh, some pictures of that deer, um, mid October and even once on Halloween and his summer range. Huh. And then, and then, and I think that's that Halloween picture. There was a, Halloween was a good day this year and it had a lot of daylight activity across the board, but I think he might've came back to his summer range looking for those kind of early and then went back to fall or traveled back and forth. But I think what happened, <clears throat> is um <laughs> the, he hung out later than the other one did so there's some variation and then the one deer of the two was very aggressive and made a bunch of rubs and the other 
didn't have so much of a tendency. So that, like I said, I go back to that's why I love deer so much. They're all different. Mm-hmm. Both full um, and mature, mature deer. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Huh. So, so, so are those, no, go ahead. And that's the thing. Well, I was just going to say there's no 100, that, and that's what people say. There's no, there's more than one way to skin this cat. And that's exactly what, you know, you'll hear lots of folks say they're all different mm-hmm. and they all do different things. They have different tendencies. So there's nothing more important in my opinion than building that history and learning there's no greater advantage than having history with a deer mm-hmm. and, you know, sheds and, and pictures and encounters all play into that very much as you, you know, build on, um, that. And so mm-hmm. the deer that I shot in 2019, that was a, fi- that was a five-year-old deer in my opinion. He was probably high fifties, low sixties, 10 point, a deer that just, in the same way encompassed me like this deer did this year or those mm-hmm. two or three or four did this year. And I spent all that time on him just saying, well, that being said, as a three-year-old, I had him on only two cameras, two plots. Hmm. So it kind of, and then as, a, and, and actually I didn't even notice him as a three-year-old because he was so, he was so rare to our farm. Mm-hmm. And then in, as a four-year-old, he showed up in the summertime and I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. what deer is this? Where did he come from? <laughs> So, and so I went back, I went back in my records and I found him. So for, for like, for, for this year coming up, what deer, like how many deer are you going back into your records and going, okay, I need to find this deer sheds. And then when I get some trail cameras up for him, like how many you got? Um, I would target probably, I mean, realistically you need to, like, I think if you go deeper than three to four deer you're pushing you're sure. pushing your you're, you're spreading yourself too thin mm-hmm. especially which i mean i talk i love there's nothing more bad there's nothing nothing better than targeting a specific deer and having that chat that you know that chess match with mm-hmm. and that's what i was able to accomplish in 2019 that deer there as a five-year-old was the biggest deer i had around and as i had him at three four five i knew his tendencies i knew where i could kill him and my camera let me know that and he was only using two plots. And when he started showing up mid-November, it was only this. I actually, it's kind of funny because it was, in my head, it was such a low percentage chance you know, of that farm. He was using just those two small areas at the very back of the farm. And it was such a low percent chance. I actually targeted a different deer, checked the camera the second week of November, mid-gun season, and was kicked and was like, Oh my gosh, he's he's been here consistently, three out of six or seven days, and I've not been here. And I was kicking myself for not getting in there sooner. Well, I only hunted him twice in the second afternoon. I was able to, you know, see him chasing a doe, and I was able to, you know, shoot him right there. Mm-hmm. And you know that deer right there, with three years of history, dreaming about that deer, thinking about that deer. There was, you know, that meant more to me, and on that one deer, than just shooting a random deer that might have been bigger. It's, mm-hmm. you know, that's, there's something about shooting a deer that you have history with that, that just means more. Mm-hmm. How many sets of sheds do you have of that deer? Zero. Oh, huh. Well, that deer used such a, uh, such a small percentage of our farm. He was only a, a, you know, he would just more or less come across and check those two food plots. Mm-hmm. Those, that, that little, you know, 50 of a three to 400 acre farm we have there he would only come across 50 acres of it. Mm-hmm. You know, he would just live at the back. And so he was so hard to pattern and so hard to hunt that you, you know, you, you could only 
you couldn't pressure him too hard because you only had you know legitimately one maybe two stands to try to chase him out of mm-hmm. so 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 in the next so okay going into 2021 do you feel like that right now is a pivotal time for you to start like it, it, oh, I guess when you start, yeah, when you start looking at, sh- at shit, or, or I guess at your target bucks or your hit list or whatever for next year, like, do you feel like, man, like there's a big pressure on me to go find these sheds? I need to find these sheds because it's the first piece of the puzzle, or does that matter for next year? It, it, in my opinion, it really does, and I probably put more pressure on myself to try to find those than is necessary. But man, if you really can find those. That's such a big piece because you can prove you know, that you know that deer was right there. Mm-hmm. Be it bed or food, which is most likely where you're going to find those antlers, that is most likely where they're going to be. And so you can really utilize that and plug that into your to your puzzle, and it will help you a lot. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. So does that mean that your A number one goal right now is to get out there and look for number one and number two's antlers, and that's what you're you're focusing it's, on. As soon as I feel comfortable, they are on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. yes, that's that kind of my next question. My, that is, will be my number one and number. You know, those will be my top priorities. I will spend more time grid searching, going back and forth, and doing and putting in more miles in those areas, and then I will scouting random or new areas um, for sure. How detrimental is it if you go in there and you see? <laughs> number two run off with both sides still attached you bump him well i'd be pretty torn i'm not gonna lie if i did that um but i think it's a it's a necessary risk you know there's there's people out there that say sanctuaries and this that and the other and don't ever go in i mean this you know i don't don't buy that yeah no they're they're accustomed don't matter really doesn't really matter where you're at there's some element of human pressure or just outside pressure in general yeah and jump them up you know yeah i mean so there's so many outside factors that i would I think it's worth, and plus, I mean, you think about 10 years, 20 years from now, you still got those antlers, and they're in your shop, they're in your barn, they're in your, on your wall. I mean, it's it's worth the risk, 100%, to to put to ha- get your hands on those, you know, and plus, they're just so cool to have. I mean, yeah. there's nothing, you know, even if you, it's just like the guy that, you know, we're seeing the, the giant deadhead in Ohio floating around. Now, that guy can't, couldn't hunt the farm. But he's got all those sets of sheds from that deer, and, and he ended up with the deadhead, of course. But yeah, it's crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. would you would you not go in there for that? Or you know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah. how how could you not? So so, so what's it's, your, it's uh, worth it. What's your date of like delineation? You know, yeah, like, yeah. at least where you're at. I know it's going to vary across the country, but like, what it day are you like? I'm going in there. So okay, so um, it's going to vary, and it's hard. I know because it changes, but. The window to me is Valentine's Day through March 15th. Mm-hmm. I would say approximately Valentine's Day, 50% should be on the ground. By March 15th, you're looking at 75 to 80% on the ground. Uh-huh. And so this is the way I approach it. If I'm hunting pressured or ground, or maybe there's other people who have permission, or maybe it's public, whatever it is, I'm going to consistently hit the fields, the easy stuff, the obvious stuff early, the stuff that puts no pressure on the deer, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to check those potentially over and over and over, if, especially if there's a deer I'm targeting or deer I'm worried about, or if there's another person who might find those incidentally or on purpose, I'll check those multiple times, you know, all the way from mid-January on into, and then there's, there comes a certain point and you kind of make that decision for yourself. If I'm the only one on the farm, and I have the bedding, 
there's certain farms I won't even touch until mid-March because I know I'm the only person that has permission. Mm-hmm. And I'll wait, and I'll go in there when they're all on the ground and hopefully have a heyday. And there's other farms that I share permission on or share rights to. And those farms, I'll incrementally stagger and hit you know, food plots and then, of course, maybe get in that bedding at certain times. Or if there's a certain deer that has my attention, I want to get in there, you know, maybe before the squirrels get them or before they get, you know, while it, while it's fresh or I, maybe I know where he's at. Um, but that, that's kind of how I approach it. Yeah. Let's, uh, real quick before we go further, let's validate. How many sheds did you find last year? So I picked up 108 last year before turkey season. Mm. So that's an even number. Were they all match? No. <laughs> I, I wish. It, it would be, it would shock you how few sets are that I find in all honesty. Oh, I know. Um, of the 108, I counted back 16 amounted to sets. So, so 16 antlers, so eight sets. And I have to think five were side by side. So mm-hmm. three, I picked up, you know, one here, one there. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, so when, when, for, so if you find a set side by side, you know, you just, just know the odds were on your side. Yeah. yeah. I um, found it's, a not, set. it's not a very <laughs> common. I found a set side by side in Tyler's front yard <laughs> last year. A good set too. What mm-hmm. was that? The spring of 2020, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was in November. It was, oh, that's right. It was, it was like November. in season. Yeah. 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 So it was from the season before. They were chewed a little bit. Yeah, they chewed a little bit. But, uh, but they're good. It was a, it was a fun mm. find because Tyler, literally <laughs> 10 steps from his driveway, they've been there, you know, Jeez. for six months or something, yeah. you know. <laughs> all the leaves fell mm. off, and all of a sudden, KC pulls in my drive. He's like, I'm pretty sure there's a match set over there, by the way. <laughs> it was good. But uh, mm. so you, you keep. Um, do you keep like a spreadsheet for all this shed stuff, or like it seems like you're a pretty analytical guy? How do you uh, keep up with all this? Is it all in the dome or what? It's all well. It's it's a. I'm not as analytical as you would think. My record keeping or my is my camera roll. Okay. When I go back, I take pictures of I you know as they lay, as they say, mm-hmm. or you know when I find them, I usually always do my best to snap a picture where it is before I pick it up. Or maybe after, sometimes I can't help myself. Yep. But, mm-hmm. you know, so, so you know, last year, and I think a lot, I'll blame it on COVID, maybe not, but last year COVID started. I really didn't intend to pick up 100. My goal was 75. I picked up 108. You know, the year before was 75, or give or take. And then the year, the year before that, it was somewhere between 50 and 60. And the year before that, it was somewhere between 50 and 60. So it's been growing, and it's just a, a passion that, you know, getting out there, and doing it, you know, I picked up a bunch over the years. And I, so here's kind of another stat that people might be interested in. The way I've done this, I walk both public and private in multiple states. And on public, my ratio is three miles per antler. And on private, it's two miles per antler. Mm, that's pretty good. And that's just for me and my own record keeping in my own head. You know, I keep my records are my health app on my iPhone. So don't get too crazy with it. But, <laughs> but I kind of look at that day per day. You know, I think the, the, the biggest day I had last year was 17 miles, but there's multiple days over 10, mm-hmm. um, where I will really get after it when I'm finding, you know, finding those enough. Um, so, so there's, you know, that's, that's, that's a little bit, which may or may not help folks, but, um, that's kind of what I'm seeing, what I'm finding. So, I mean, to pick up 108 sheds last year, 
I'm a pro. I am guessing that I approximately walked 350 miles, give or take, um, between January 25th and March 25th to green up essentially. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, imagine with that increased productivity has come some expertise or some at least heavy experience that has led you to learn a few things about where to uh, where to find these things. How are you spending your time more efficiently or are you just cutting through the woods and trying to find it wherever? So <laughs> this is what I'll, I'll tell folks. If you're, if you're just getting started and you're looking and you're waiting until March, you know, and you're doing the whole shed rally or whatever you want to say, that that's probably your one, your best bet. And two, probably the easiest time to do it. And if you're just learning, getting into it, I would 100% recommend bean or wheat fields or just pasture with fescue in it. If you're looking for an easy way to kind of get started and, and run up on those antlers that, which those are all food sources, of course. So you know, you got to think this time of year, it's food to bed and bed to food, and that's it. There's no excess no burning calories on anything else they are they're concentrated you know they're, they're limited on their the range right now they're pretty much you know got one thing on their mind and that's just survival until the green up occurs and so if you can figure out what those two things are you'll be way better off you know those with so so i would recommend starting in those three things wheat bean uh, or just pasture around even front yards you know anything that's uh one time I picked up a set, there was this lot um, kind of out in the country where they had actually cleaned it up and they planted some fescue or some grass of some sort, maybe it's Kentucky bluegrass, I don't remember. But they were they were plant, they were planning to build a house the next summer. They cleaned up the lot. Well, I was driving down the road one day and I knew it when I drive I saw it and I was like, Hey and it was a set and I knew it and I turned around one got them. And you know, that's just one of those things. They they know where that, you know, any kind of new grass, any kind of bean field, any kind of you know, um, those are those are some very obvious places for the beginner to look uh, to start out. That that's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I would say I, I would hate to put a percentage on it, but I would say uh, twenty five, maybe up to forty percent. You know, and I think a lot of deer bucks we're talking about bucks because they're losing their antlers are going <laughs> to drop those are going to drop those antlers in those food sources because you know they're, they're grazing they're bouncing their head back and forth they're hitting them on things you know whatever that's that's where they're actively moving around and they're spending a fair amount of time probably mostly at night and and that's where they're gonna you know lose it so so that leaves the remaining in my head 60 percent we'll say so i would estimate the remaining 40 potentially up to 50 percent are in beds um really some of some of the prettiest finds i'll ever you know and i've got some pictures i could show it are on you know points or knobs where you know a deer is overlooking you can tell a buck laid here for a reason maybe he had the wind over his back maybe he didn't but he was laying on a side of a hill or a knob overlooking a big bottom you know just you know you, and when you find that set you know or, or maybe you find an antler you know it's just you should, you know, take the time to imagine what and think about it. Why was this deer here? He was here for a reason. He was bedded right here, obviously. You wouldn't believe I found several, you know, a bunch tucked up next to big dead trees or down logs, mm-hmm. you know, is what I mean. But, you know, they're bedded up next to those for the sense of comfort. They've got their back protected and they're overlooking something usually. And so, um, 
that's that's kind of one area you can you can look at and for for uh, layman's terms if you're walking at if you're looking at on x and, and you're following the topo map that usually that average dark contour line that kind of mid slope is one of the best places to focus because those deer in my opinion they will walk the bottom and they will walk the top and usually in the bottoms it's creeks or fields or on top it's the same but those side those side slopes if you will walk kind of midway up and down and look up and look down you will generally find more antlers in my opinion you're going to miss some on top and you're going to miss some on the bottom but they will bed on those mid slopes i think wherever you're at um and that's where they seem to spend the most time both traveling and bedding and so i would give it 40 40 40 and 20 just to be safe as far as food bed and travel and so there's less sheds to be found on those travel corridors i get a lot of times you know people say all creek crossings or fence crossings where they have to jump and and yes you will find some there occasionally it it happens but the majority of them in my opinion are going to be in the beds you will find some you know food would be next and then you know transitions would be would be third man is there a uh, correlation to where you find matched sets no and i wish there was i mean i there's there seems to be no data on that and uh it doesn't really matter to me you know whether they're big deer or small deer yeah the 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 odds the odds of finding a set seem to be slim regardless and i feel comfortable saying that i picked up enough antlers that um you know you will find some side by side and if you find one you should definitely look around your surrounding that all right is there you know do i see an antler within the next 50 yards any any given direction odds are it's going to be no but um there's no rhyme or reason i picked them up as far as pushing a mile um you know from one side to the other yeah i see so there's really no rhyme or reason you run trail cameras a ton we already know that but i'm assuming you run them on into shed season uh What's the longest you've seen a deer hang on to one after he dropped the other? I've actually had deer carrying in April. Mm-hmm. Um, it's which is which will break your heart. I jumped the deer <laughs> last. I jumped the deer last year while shed hunting. Had had more than one in my hand and jumped him up, and he was at least a fifties caliber deer, and had both sides. And it was like mid March, and I'm sitting there thinking, "You've got to be kidding me!" <laughs> um, and he was not nice enough to dropped him as he ran mm-hmm. <laughs> when Eastman's, <huh>? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and so you know i mean there's no winning and, and, and that's the thing you know you're racing the green up the green up is when it gets hard spring gets here target season gets here you're thinking about other things naturally and so when that occurs you know there, there, there's a window for sheds and sometimes those deer are going to carry those deer those antlers late and that's just a risk you take and just part of it you know you're not going to win them all you know there's some you're going to find the following year because they carried them late and it is what it is. But, you know, I've, I've picked up some as early as Christmas Day. Um, you know, I think that was the injured buck. But, you know, it does not hurt to get out there and learn. Yeah. And, and, the, and that's the thing. You cannot underestimate the value, in my opinion, of, I mean, yes, you're shed hunting. You're hopefully getting something out of it. You're getting to take an antler home, maybe, if you're lucky enough. But as you're walking and as you're going, you know, you should be really looking – for, you know, there's nothing. There, those trails and those scrapes are more defined, and those rubs even they, they they really stand out this time of year. And you should be, you know, I'm dropping waypoints everywhere I go, mm-hmm. scrape here, rub here. And if if a, if something, if a target buck or anything ever brings me back to that area for any given reason, or or maybe I feel like today with this wind I should go hunt this area because that's what that's what I've been built. 
Well, guess what? I've got a scrape marked. Maybe I go sit over it, but I haven't been there in three months. But that's okay because I've been there once before, and maybe I don't remember it the most. But having that on X takes you in there, you get to that point, and you go set up right there, mm-hmm. uh, which, I, which I did multiple times this year, um, situationally thinking, well, you know, maybe this deer's over here. So if I go over here, this is what I want to do today. I'm going to hang and hunt, and I'm going to go. I know that this scrape was here, you know, in the wintertime. And my opinion is also if you can find those scrapes now, which means they were worked after the leaves fell, and that being the case, <clears throat> they're more likely to be scrapes that get used more often than just an October scrape that was testosterone fueled right. and was was created one time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so, if you can find them now, they usually mean more. Yeah. So. I, uh, I, I struggle, like I focus on one thing pretty hard when I do, when I go out outside. So if I'm shed hunting, I'm pretty focused on that. And it, and it, uh, definitely hinders my ability to find and analyze signs sometimes. Um, and Casey and I, a lot of times we'll go out, like, we're like, Hey, let's go pig hunting in the postseason, And we'll kind of scout, you know, and it ends up just being deer scouting. You know, we end up not even working into the wind anymore by the end of it and trying to kill pigs. Cause we're just looking at <laughs> scrapes and trails and everything else, you know? So like how, and, and you may be different than me. KC's pretty good at like, I guess you could call it the multitask where, um, he pretty much sees everything at one time, you know? And so Which I don't has know if that's its own you, set of problems. It, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it definitely can, uh, can be like a squirrel situation, you know, but, uh, for, for you, um, how are you able to kind of focus on, uh, both aspects of that at the same time? Or, or are you? Well, luckily for us, we don't have many pigs. And so <laughs> I'm not distracted there. I'm usually not carrying a weapon. Yeah. So that, that, so that does limit me there. But I mean, you know, you do have to have a con, just you know effort to like okay i'm looking but also i mean yeah you use like is this trail more more worn down than than the one i was on one holler over or one ridge over you know or is this scrape you know how recently has it been worked and what's the sign look like you know when was this rub made and and, and you know that's that's a lot of things i'm kind of i feel like i'm getting you know if i get technical there with you know rubs you know you can really Rubs are, rubs are a whole nother subject, but you know, if you can find a cluster of them, you kind of got to, you know, cipher, you know, was it, what, was there several here made him, but was it, was it, was it when he was shedding in October and, you know, testosterone fueled, or was this just a, a rub in passing because it's a standard, standard, you know, saddle and, and, and in trail coming up over this, this right here. So, you, <clears throat> so it's kind of hard in that sense, but I do my best in multitasking and, you know, you have to consciously think about it. You mean, you really do, you know, okay. I'm, yes, I'm shed hunting. Yes. I'm looking for things, but if this is where my target deer is living and this is where I'm spending my time, I need to pay attention very closely because I may only come in here one or two or three times. Um, and I may only have so many opportunities to come in here before the green up and before he starts coming back in here next fall. And I want to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what uh, as far as like as as far as like um, you 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 mentioned the breakdown of a forty forty twenty where there's forty percent or so that are in in fields from from feeding at night. There's forty percent in the beds where they spend a lot of time during the day, and then there's a twenty in the travel areas. And so, 
technically probably about 60% of that is in the timber in most areas of the country. Now that could make, if not more. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So that can, that can make it pretty difficult, uh, you know, find sheds when you got just dead timber and dead leaves and trees and everything else, you know, uh, and like you said in the beginning, I'm sure there's a there's definitely probably the biggest aspect of helping yourself is to find a lot of sheds, and <laughs> therefore you know you know how to look for that main beam or those tines, like you said. But are there any other just kind of little pro tips or you know thoughts about how to <laughs> how to uh, really search for sheds? You know, and and like do you you know I've heard people that turn around every every you know ten yards or whatever and take a look back. Is that something you do, or are you just always, you know, driving forward? And and how do you, how do you figure out how to search through all the stuff and pick out the sheds? So I'm usually on the go. Um, very rarely will I stop and and really look around. Even though I will say there have been times I have stopped to uh, you know take a leak or do something, look around like, oh well, I would not have seen that otherwise. <laughs> uh, so I mean, there there are there are times when when that can come into play. That's not really my style. And I guarantee, you know, there's no telling how many I've walked past over mm. the years doing that way. But I, I like to cover a lot of ground. I like to see a lot of country. I want to see as much sign as possible and make the, you know, and, and, and really cover everything. And then I'll, I'll go back another day and maybe I'll walk it. I'll walk it a different way. Mm-hmm. I'll come from, I'll come from the other side. So how and often so, are you doing that? I mean, like, I guess that depends on how big that, the deer is, right? Yeah, that basically yes. Yeah, basically yes. It, it depends on well, how much I value that area because it's a lot easier to get permission to go shed hunting than it is to go hunting. Mm-hmm. If you're saying, "Hey, you know, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm after," you know, you and you said, "Can I can I walk this property?" You know, they might not let you hunt, but they might let you shed hunt. Mm-hmm. And so, if if that's important to you, um, and maybe a particular deer is is that you're after, you can maybe you know maybe not get to hunt it, but you can work off of what you find by shed hunting it and walking that and making those waypoints and then coming back to, you know, hunting season, you can make the most of it by figuring, well, maybe I, I was hunting over here on my side of the fence, but maybe I should hunt over here. And so there's, there, there are infinite, um, you know, aspects of this that you can, that you can really dive into, um, as far, as far as that goes, <laughs> as far as that goes on the, on the side of things. But, you know, just and the one thing I would preach more than anything is um, I know it's hard because everybody's time is limited, but it's the persistence of it. The more you're out there, the more you're in the woods, the more you're looking at leaves and sticks and hopefully antlers and ciphering <laughs> that in your head and figuring out what you're looking for. You know, it will click. It will come to you. It, it's hard to stick with it. I mean, I get it. It's not for everybody, but once it comes to you, you know, it's like a, a game or a sport or, or any kind of, you know, whatever you want to play or do, you know, once it comes to you and you realize what you're looking for, it gets easier and easier with time. And so, um, if you really can stick with it, especially if you're in a high dense, high deer density area, um, you know, you really can have some success and, uh, you know, there are, there's a deer, you know, for example, the deer I killed in 2017, I have one side to him the year before and his set from the year before that. And I think one more from the year before that. And so there's just, you know, there's nothing better than this. You know, somebody comes over, you tell them the story. Hey, I shot this deer. Here's his antlers from the year before. <laughs> yeah, Here's cool. antlers from the year before that. 
you know, and, and that's, and that's, and that's awesome. You know, building that yeah. history with that individual deer is really cool. Yeah. So do you feel like you do better if you dedicate a whole day and spend, you know, daylight to dusk shed hunting that day? Or do you like to break it up and do like three or four hour stints? Cause your eyes get tired. Well, my, you know, my schedule is different than everybody else's. I work for myself in that sense. So I can, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I try, I try not to spend entire days unless it's a Saturday, because if I'm not careful, I will get, I will get on a, ta- I will get on a tear and go and I'll <laughs> walk and walk and walk and walk. So I very, I, I have to think about it to myself. I have to limit myself and plan. Okay. You're going to do this today. You got to get your work done and then you're going to go maybe this afternoon if you're lucky. Mm. And so <clears throat> that is part of it. You know, a lot of people like anything else, the time factor is their limiting deal. And the one thing I, I failed to mention that I, I think a lot of folks who talk about this subject would mention is when it comes to weather, those rainy and overcast days are by far my favorite. If I know it's going to be misting, rainy, cloudy, I will this time of year, rearrange my schedule to work on the sunny days and be able to have off the nasty days mm-hmm. because you, those antlers pop so well when the leaves are dark and those white antlers pop, mm-hmm. you'll yeah. see, you know, you will be able to pick those things out so much better in that type of conditions that I would much rather go when it's like that. If you have that ability, if you're just, you know, on the weekends and it's a, you know, sunny days can be very hard, especially when it's shadows and they're, and they're playing with your eyes and, you know, you've got sun and shadows and you're in the, you're in the woods specifically, that's when it can be very hard. And so, you know, doing that, it's, it's almost kind of like hunting. I'd rather go early in the morning when the sun's not at its, you know, nine o'clock or higher. And I'd rather go in the evening when it starts to set and we get a little more shade and it's a little more consistent. You know, you can seem to do better there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you use binos a lot whenever you're scoping out shits? <laughs> yes, I would always. You know, I can I have my my harness on me at all times, which I don't even hunt with binos a lot of the times, unless <laughs> I'm in open open country. Yeah, but I always recommend. There's a lot of times I've walked up to a field and looked at it, you know, beans, or, you know, whatever, and and uh, see nothing, and then I pull those binos up, binos up, do a quick glass, and look out there and be like. Right there's an antler, and I would not have seen it if I had not taken the time to walk to that edge, and walk that in that field, and just you know do a pan across the field from one side to the other. Um, there's no telling how many antlers I've picked up that way by just having just even basic binoculars, nothing nothing fancy, you know, just just taking a look across the field. Uh, you'd be amazed at how many you'll find that way. Yeah, That's yeah, cool. for sure. What are you? Where are you putting all these sheds? Like, how many do you have? Uh, what are you doing with them? In the shed. <laughs> I, I, I don't Several hundred. I, I, I don't really know. You know, I've got uh, tubs. Literally, I just buy those tubs from Walmart, plastic tubs, and just throw them in it. Mm-hmm. If, they're, if they're worthy enough, they might make it into the house, you know, on the counter, on top of the fridge, you know, here and there. On the, in the on bed. The, on, the, on the table. <laughs> you know, occasionally that happens. My wife gets a little upset after a while they have to go out to the shop or you know which i do have a a shelf which i can send you a picture of there's a shelf in my in our shop where all of most of our deer are and uh it's dedicated solely to shed antlers and it's just full from top to bottom from everything my dad uh, has been able to find from the 1990s all the way through 
you know, right now. Wow. Yeah. And I, I pretty much keep them organized um, by location or sentimental value. You know, there's some antlers that, you know, this deer I've got three sets off of. And, you know, those set, those, that set's right here. Those three sets are right here on the shelf, you know, or this deer. And, th- and that's what's so cool about it to me. I'll go over there in the summertime when it's 100 degrees out. There's nothing to do. You know, you pick one up and it's like, okay, this is this deer from this farm back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And you know you look you know oh, this is the deer that I end up shooting or this is the deer that we don't ever know what happened to. Yeah. Well, this was just a random one that I found one time. You know, Do you walking, label you know, them? I, I struggle with it um, because I hate to put sharpie or anything on them. Me I do too, have man. some of those. I know I do have some of those tags that I've used some. Um, if they're big enough, you don't have to label them because you're never going to forget. Like yeah, that's right. that's where I came from. You're not going to know that. Yeah. Some of those small – and I do have – I have three and four and five tubs that I have no idea what I'm going to do with one day that I consider random. They're not memorable enough. They're maybe from a, a farm I walked that was for sale one time, and I picked it up, and I threw it in the box. Or maybe it's got chew marks, or maybe it's bleached. Um, and so I've got several tubs of those that I have no idea what will happen with one day. I assume my kids will probably sell them, but, <laughs> but, but I, you know, they'll get, you know, $3 a pound. I don't know. Maybe that's how I really don't know what the price is. I have no, no clue, but, but you know, that's, so I don't know. I just, I can't let them go. I have so many people ask me, my dog loves to chew on those. Can you get me some of those? Hi, you know, uh, maybe, probably not. Yeah, this gal from my wife's work uh, asked if we had any extra ones. Like, who ever had extra sheds, man? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, there's no such thing. There's no. no such thing. Uh, what's the most sentimental shed you have? It really leads me back to Arkansas. Uh, there was one antler in particular. I was young enough. My dad was driving the four-wheeler, and I was sitting in front of him. And we were driving down a trail on a farm we had leased. And I didn't see it. I should have seen it. And he got after me for not seeing it. But that was before I knew anything about anything. And um, there was a antler off of an eight point that scored probably in the high, had been the 50s. And we mm. still got it, obviously. But it was a mid-50s eight point, if not bigger. We actually took a dark and saw Big Buck Classic that year and had it scored. I don't remember. I think it was a 60s, 70-inch antler. Um, and it was hanging in briars about five foot off the ground. Whoa. You know, eye, <laughs> eye level. And that deer, and it was just like we drove the four-wheeler up, and he slammed on the brakes and looked over, and it was just hanging there in the branch. And I never saw it. He had pointed out to me. But that deer, that antler there is one of the biggest ones we have to date. And um, it still sits right up there, right in the very front. As soon as you, you know, that's the, I don't don't know, I don't remember, but I would think, I think the G3 on that thing is pushing 13 inches. Golly. Um, But it is, uh, that was probably the most. Um, that that I can recall, that's just one of the ones that. Which that year we only found one side of that deer. The year before we have both sets, both sides, and we actually put those on a little year old mount. They're hanging up in our in our shop right now. But that that particular antler was the biggest one we'd ever had at that time, and you know that was an antler that I remember to the day finding, and that was the deer that just. When you were a kid, you always dreamed of, you know, that was the deer that I always thought about. Every time I'd go hunting down there, that's the deer I want to see. That's the deer. That's the deer. Now, and that was pretty trucking. You know, when we hunted that farm, it was between two. Oh, no. Uh-oh. I bet his phone died. 
When we hunted that deer, but, you know, oh, you're there. Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, we lost you for like five seconds. Uh, start over at, when we hunted that deer, it was between something. 2000 and 2004. So that was back when uh, Dad was running uh, deer cams on 35 millimeter. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's back when that, deer, that antler was found. So if you think about it, that deer's been dead. He actually got shot by a friend of ours um, after we moved away a couple years later. Um, that deer had to have been nine or ten years old. It was something ridiculous. But, uh, you know, that, that shed antler is still, to me, the one you immediately gravitate towards when you walk up to our, you know, little collection there. Yeah, that's, that's cool, cool man. man. I've got a I've got a nice eight-point or four-point site I found in Kansas. It's kind of like that for me. But I think that my most sentimental shed is uh, I found a uh, coos whitetail <laughs> shed in New Mexico on that Gila mm-hmm. elk hunt. And that's, uh, that it, you know, it's like... I don't know, probably came off a 70-inch deer or less, you know. It's like a tiny buck, but uh, just cool. You know, it's just not a very common thing. So that's going to be hard <laughs> well, it's for like, me. It's, it's hard. I mean, and, and I'm sitting here as we're talking. I'm, I'm in my bedroom. I'm, I'm on my phone, obviously. I've got two sheds off of more or less four points, a year and a half old deer. One of them was, I remember vividly, the very first shed I ever found tracking a doe that my dad had shot on our family farm in arkansas with my grandpa and it just chewed up it's all to pieces it's not worth anything and then the other one that's laying here is is no bigger but my grandma found it who's since passed yeah and she found it on their farm in arkansas which is just up the road from the other one yeah so there's a couple antlers here and that's the thing it's the stories it's behind them i mean you get to build the history they're all different they're all so cool um, deer, deer are fascinating in general, um, but there's so much that can be that can help you on the hunting aspect of this side of things, um, from shed hunting in general. There's so much that can help you from hunting it, but it's also the memories that go with it, just like anything else, because you are physically taking something home that day that's important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. when legal, right? You ever been in the state when where it's, you can't pick up a handler? <laughs> that, I don't, I don't know if I. Could. <laughs> that would not be a state that I should probably go to. Yeah, I know, man. You got national parks. I don't think you're supposed to. Yeah, and I'm like, that's right. but, man, that's luckily I've not, I've not had to encounter that, but yeah, but uh, that would be a struggle. Do you still pack every single one of them out? Like, if you find a button, <laughs> are you taking it with you? Man, I am. It's hard. It's yeah. going to have to be pretty ugly for me to let it lay. I left uh, some land. Nothing. nothing in New Mexico, but that yeah. was in a backcountry hunt. We left some good elk sheds behind, yeah. you know, mm. and it's like, oh, I don't want to pack out a. I don't think I could have got them out. <laughs> no, uh, no. After the, after getting out of there, I yeah. don't think I could have. Because I carried them out. a mule deer and that white tail. Yeah, I carried, you carried a mule deer, deer too, yeah. you know. But yeah, it's tough, man. That's a tough thing to do for sure. It would be, it would for sure be hard for me to to leave one. And I've left a few in my day, but definitely not my first option. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I hear you. Well. uh I'm not going to ask you where, but uh, can you describe the area that's going to be your first go-to? You know, like, is it timber? Is it uh, field edge? What do, what do you, where's your first go? Well, this time of year is, without a doubt, field edge. Yeah. Um, you walk those field edges. I picked up a set. I picked up three so far this year, and they're all old. So nothing nothing fresh yet, which is only, it's only still early January, so I'm not trying to stress over it. But... Those field edges, you know, you can walk those easy. You would believe how many deer will, and I think it's something to do with bucks, how many deer will lose those antlers within 50 yards of a field edge. It's like there's a, it's like, you know, 
they say st- staging. It's like there's something to do with fat that makes those bucks feel comfortable. If you'll not only walk the outside of a, you know, not only walk the inside edge of a field, but walk inside the woods, no, no more than 50 yards. How many antlers you'll find um, will be will be rather impressive to you. Um, and I, I can't I can't explain it. But if you'll walk 50 yards inside the woods next to a field, and I think a lot of it has to do with the, the forage. So that's a lot of times where you'll see honeysuckle mm-hmm. um, or things like that, you know, a little diversity, or maybe there's some safety there that makes those bucks feel comfortable. But you wouldn't believe the amount of antlers you'll find, you know, 50 yards or less inside a field edge. Yeah. How, um, how much, like, take a public land, for instance. Let's just, let's just use that as a scenario. How much does uh, distance from parking or from the road matter to you when shed hunting? Are you spending much time near the roads, or are you, like, trying to burn back in there and get where people don't go often? You know, I really don't find much difference. Um, <clears throat> I found them as close as 30 yards from the road, you know, to as much as a mile deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, you can listen to the – to the beast approach and this, that, and the other. And I think there's some validity to it depending on where you're at as far as, you know, those deer that watch their entry and or watch your entry rather than theirs, mm-hmm. you know, that sit next to the parking lot versus deer that live a mile deep. And I really see no variation. It really seems to me an equal amount. Um, and, and I will very often spend a lot of time putting cameras, um, out, you know, 50 yards from a road, easily accessible easily checkable without bothering the deer mm-hmm. and if and, and and that might be i might have 20 of those scattered um you know public or private and if there's a deer worth targeting or learning more about well maybe then i'll dive in more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i'm not going to go you know a mile deep unnecessarily unless i have a reason and so <clears throat> i'll find a lot of those you know I mean, I have literally, I have found, I found one one time. It could not have been more than six foot off the pavement. <laughs> I mean, it was literally in a ditch that the county mows because they're, you know, that's what the first green was that year. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, we, we had stopped to glass a field and I was riding shotgun with my buddy. I, we stopped to glass a field and I took my binoculars down and looked down and had to tell him to stop because there was an antler so close to his truck tire. <laughs> I mean, I literally have a picture still on my camera. I know of his truck and that antler right off the road. <laughs> and so that, that first green can really mean something, especially to those bucks that are hanging on late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, man. Well, Dude, I appreciate all this uh, information, man. This is like, you know, I told KC before, I was like, man, I think this is going to be, a different shed hunting podcast than what you normally hear guys do, you know? And so, um, I appreciate you bringing that creative approach, man. And, uh, just that higher level thoughts, man, I can tell, like, I mean, I think anybody who, who follows you or knows you probably can tell that you put a lot of effort into this, a lot of effort into thinking about things, to understanding things and also being creative when it comes to all the different aspects of, of hunting antlers or deer. And so, I, man, I appreciate that a lot about you, and I appreciate you being able to come on and spend some time with us and, and uh, you know, 
and divulge some of that information to to the listener base here. So with that, man, I'd like to give you a chance to uh, talk about your real estate a little bit and, and uh, plug that, man, for anybody who's interested because I know you do a lot of that. And uh, you'd be a pretty good guy to probably break down a piece of property and go, hey, this is the one you want if you're looking to buy one, right? Yeah. Well, hopefully it was worthwhile. You know, I rambled. I mean, it's it's definitely something I enjoy and I love to do. Um, you know, I'm a licensed real estate broker in both Tennessee and Kentucky, um, and on the Western portions of both States is really kind of where I focus. Um, obviously whitetails are my passion. Uh, you can, you know, find me pretty much on social media and all, you know, race Johnson seven, pretty much anywhere. Um, you know, any way I can help, I'll be happy to help anybody out there that's listening, uh, sheds or not, you know, that's just sure. something that I definitely thoroughly enjoy. Um, appreciate you guys having me. Hopefully it was a little different and maybe somebody can take away something from it. If not, you know, feel free to send me a message and I'll hopefully clarify. Um, but that, that's kind of where I'm at. And, and like I said, I, anyway, whatsoever, Western Kentucky, that's where I'm at. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And, and definitely it was, man, it was, it was good stuff, man. And like I said, I appreciate the, uh, the approach that you, you take to this whole thing, man. And we'll be in touch. I know, uh, off the air here, we'll be probably talking a lot about deer hunting and, uh, in the future, hopefully we can share a camp together. Yeah, well, that uh, that would be fine with me. It's about time to start walking. <laughs> That's right, man. All right, well, have a good night, man. All right, you too. Appreciate it. Let me tell you something. Tell me. Uh, I try to clean my accent up just a little bit for so people can understand me. <laughs> and uh, when I get somebody like Reese on, who also has a thick accent, I revert back real quick. Mm. So if you couldn't understand anything I said in that interview, I am sorry. If you're north of Mason Dixon, this one might have been a tough one for <laughs> or you. Or it could have been really funny, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah for but, sure. Uh, dude, Reese is pretty cool, man. Yeah. I have a feeling that one of these days we'll end up in the woods with that guy a little bit. Yeah, I hope so. Because, yeah. I mean, I would like to chase some of the deer that he talks about chasing. My goodness. If so. you don't follow Reese on Instagram, we'll put a link or put the, his Instagram handle down there below. I think it's Reese Johnson seven. I think you said it in the That's thing. Right, I think, um, the dude posts like a big trail cam picture every day of a deer. Yeah. So pretty cool. And, um, you know, I would, I would love to have the problem of having to pass one fifty fives. You know what I mean? So I think, or considering passing one eighties, <laughs> <That's laughs> <You true. know? laughs> yeah, for real. So this was a cool episode, man. I hope you guys gleaned some information from it and were a- and are able to take this going forward into the off season, into the summer scouting, and uh, put yourself on big deer next year. With that said, make sure and go check out the YouTube like we mentioned earlier. Um, there's a lot of stuff coming out right now. I think we're even going to uh, probably uh, do a re-release and add the 2018, some of the 2018 videos to our season playlist. Ooh, there's um, some good stuff that happened in 2018. Just because there's, you know, we're, we're going to be pushing into 13,000 subs pretty quick here. Yeah. And Thanks, guys. Yeah. And yeah. – there are like 200 views on most of these videos. So I know you guys haven't seen them. You know yeah. what I mean? So, and there's a lot more than that to listen to the podcast. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know that, that, that you guys are going to, uh, you know, haven't seen that stuff and would probably enjoy some of it. Uh, essentially, it is the season before we created the idea. Back when it was the PLC. That's right. <laughs> if you missed the old PLC intro, just let us know. We might bring it back. Who knows? Yeah, just a little... <laughs> The good stuff. That's right. (laughs) Anyway, guys, we appreciate you listening. And remember, this is your element. Living it.
Hey guys, it's Steve on my phone in Hawaii, where it happens to be turkey season. And it is right now turkey week here at Meat Eater, which means tons of great turkey hunting content. A lot of great offers on turkey gear at TheMeatEater.com and even a calling contest where I am getting my ass thoroughly kicked. Go find it all at TheMeatEater.com.